like to add one more section to this scripture reading this morning. We started with uh, 1 John 3.16, which is in a way a continuation of John 3.16, if you think about it, where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then in John, in 1 John 3.16, it's almost like, so it starts with, you know, what are you going to do about it? Because he loved you so much. This is what you need to do. So John 3.16 and, uh, and 1 John 3.16 go together in a way. But at the very beginning of the chapter in the first John, the three one, it says, see how great a love the father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. And such we are. I like that. Such we are. Such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God. That's such we are. Present tense. Now, right now. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. You know, Sharon and I have a a dear friend and former church member whose husband loved her dearly and he provided well for her. He uh, uh, took really good care of her and she was grateful and she loved him so much. He'd been dead many years whenever we first met her and she still spoke so lovingly of him. When he died, he left her very well provided for and she's now lived up into her 90s. And she's still daily grateful for a husband who loved her and took care of her when he lived and is still providing through what he left to her. But you know what? She still misses him. Sometimes just the stuff isn't enough, is it? Similarly, a little over 2,000 years ago, our Lord, who loves us very much, died on a cross so that we could have a wonderful life that would be free from sin and free from its penalties. Uh, Out of love, he provided something for us very precious that we could never attain on our own, the salvation of our souls and communion with him. Now, John tells us that our response to this great love gift to us should result in our love for him, and it should show itself in our love for the people around us. But you know, a lot of people have turned salvation into something that's 
uh, historical, doctrinal, legalistic thing. It's some sort of a, just, a, just something that happened way back there. Yes, Jesus died on the cross. You just accept the fact that Jesus died for you, and then you get to go to heaven, and what a relief. And that's about where they put it. Uh, we relegate the cross to the past and claim our inheritance and we leave Jesus in heaven. But just like this lady is looking forward to seeing her husband in heaven, we look forward to seeing Jesus when we get there. And we're just in this in-between time, some people seem to believe, when he's gone. But the thing is, there's a big difference between what happened between my church member and dear friend and her husband and what happens between us and the Lord when we receive the gift of salvation that he purchased for us on Calvary. The difference is that he didn't just die and leave us a gift. He rose from the dead and provides for us daily in the here and now. And we can be connected with him. It's just like this lady longs to be able to commune with her husband. She misses him. We can be with the one who has provided such wonderful things for us in the here and now. And I looked at, as I looked at John, uh, first John, the third chapter this week, it just hit me that John is talking about the right now. He uses present tense verbs in talking about our relating to Jesus and abide, his abiding in us. The Bible and Christian experience both show us that the Christian life is a current thing happening in our lives today. Yes, we look back with gratitude uh, uh, and, and, and we look back to help understand the present and we look back in gratitude at what he did that tremendous price he paid on the cross and yes we look forward in hope uh, with hope in our hearts for all that lies ahead for us in the Lord but we're not supposed to waste today and I'm afraid that many today are wasting today. Uh, I'm afraid many people either live in the past with mistakes and events and things that have happened to them holding them prisoner. And many others are just wishing and waiting their lives away, wasting the precious life that the Lord has given them today. Now, I'm a now person, and uh, this past week, I just was thinking about this. It's just, it's all about the now, and it's been about the now for me for a long time, and I actually have a couple of historical events that have occurred that kind of have put this in stone, in a manner of speaking. First of all, uh, our senior year, we were having a class meeting, and we had to come up with our class song to sing at our graduation service. And everybody was casting around different things. And I just said, what about today? You know, I mean, that's what it's all about today, you know? And everybody said, yeah. And so 
That wound up being our class song. So there we stood up in front of our kids and sang, uh, in front of our parents singing, I'll tell you to drink, I'll eat your strawberries and drink your sweet wine, I think are part of the words of it. Anyway, it wasn't all. But the, the gist of the song was about today. That this is what's important is right now. Not just what's going to be happening way on down the road in our future, but right now is important too. Later on, after Sharon and I were married and were attending a Sunday school class in First Methodist in downtown Houston, we were members of the young couples class. And one day the Sunday school superintendent came in and said, well, basically time for y'all to graduate. Y'all can't, we can't call y'all the young couples anymore. And that just really got us. I mean, you know, we were so. But anyway, she said, we've got other classes that need your name. They're the young couples. You're not the young couples anymore. What a downer. But uh, so anyway, we decided we, we started discussing. So what should we call ourselves? You know, so I thought, well, we're right now people. So what why do we call ourselves contemporary couples? And everybody said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that stuck. So you can look in the records at First Methodist and you can see I was all about the now. You can look back in the 1965 Cleveland High School uh, directory and in their program and you'll see the song is today. My mark on the world for today. Okay. Now I came to be this sort of person, a now sort of a person, during my high school years working at my dad's service station. You know, there's a lot to do around there, but there would be times when all the chores were done and we were just waiting for the next customer. And sometimes in those lulls, I'd be sitting there on the curb, just watching the cars go by on Highway 59, just thinking, lots of time to think, waiting to jump up and take care of the person, first, next person that came in. And while I was sitting there thinking, I might find myself thinking something like, uh, just two weeks to payday. <laughs> just two weeks to payday. And then uh, just a week to payday. And then just two days to payday. And then payday would hit. I'd take my girl out. We'd have a great time. And then I'd be sitting there Monday morning. Just two weeks till payday. <laughs> and what really made it worse was my dad would let us draw on our pay. So if I needed gas in the car, all I had to do is write out a ticket. And he'd take it out of my pay. If I needed a, a soft drink or a candy bar, just write an IOU and put it in the deal there. And sometimes for my payday, I'd get a you owe me. And those were bad, you know. But uh, but see, I was but I kept waiting and it started hitting me. Why do I think it's all about payday? I'm still alive in all this time between the time I have money and I don't. And I'm just waiting my life away. I'm just waiting till I get some money so I can spend it. And then I'm right back where I was again. And I'm not enjoying 
And I'm not being creative in what I can do in the rest of this time. And so I started enjoying every day, whether I had any money or not, I could still find something to do and not be just wishing my life away, wishing two weeks could go by, enjoying and relishing it as it happened. Well, another part of that is that uh, in the hot, hot summertime, when it'd be like 115 or so out on the pavement, and I'd be out there putting four tires on a car or something, the beaten heat, just sweating like I'll get out, just burning up. I remember thinking, oh man, it'd be nice. This is just a nice cold winter day right now. If I could just have a blast of cold air right now. And, uh, and then, uh, come winter time, whenever I squirt water on a windshield to wipe it and the water would freeze and I'd have to try to get it off of the windshield. And then, uh, it'd be so cold. It'd be rainy. I'd be freezing to death. All of a sudden I start remembering those hot days and I'm thinking, this is like outdoor air conditioning on a really hot day. And I've learned to enjoy the cold. I just relished the cold, remembering the heat. And then on those days when it was so cold, it was almost unbearable. And I was out there in the elements. I would uh, remember those hot days and then then switch it around. So I had heater. I had heaters in the winter, in the summertime and air conditioning in the winter. And I enjoyed them as they hit instead of wishing that they'd switch places. And I got to where now I love extremes in weather and I love the in-betweens in weather. I like today. This is a gorgeous day that the Lord has made and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. How about you? Amen. We should. Every day we should enjoy. But you see, the cross is not just something that happened a long time ago. It's not just a historical event. When you appropriate it, when you personally apply it to your life, something stupendous and supernatural happens in that moment. And it's something that's connected to the cross way back then, but it's today. And it makes a difference today. You see, the cross is transcendent. The power of the cross spans time and eternity heading both ways. And that is why Jesus can be referred to as the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. The lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Because the blood of Christ, its power reaches back to before the beginning of time and it reaches forward to the end of this age and into the next. And we get caught up in it. I mean, it's like, I was just trying to think of what it could be like. It's like we have, like there's this tremendous dynamo filled with power there at the cross, fueled by the eternal, powerful blood of Jesus. And that power just permeates all of existence. Amen. How's the song go? It reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. 
and it will never, ever lose its power. And so, yes, and we should be grateful. We should be grateful for what Jesus did back then, knowing that it makes a difference today. Rudyard Kipling was a fantastic author, wasn't he? He wrote all the Jungle Book stories and a lot of other stuff as well. In fact, one day, some at one point, somebody calculated how much money he'd made. He made a lot of money on his writing. And somebody calculated that if you put it all together, his earnings and the word, he made $100 a word. And so a reporter came up to him and, and handed him a $100 bill one day. He said, uh, Mr. Kipling, here's a $100 bill. Now give me one of your $100 words. And he took the bill and he smiled and he put it in his pocket and he said, thanks. <laughs> and you know what? That is a $100 word. That is a million dollar word. Whenever thanks should be given and it's not given, it hurts almost, doesn't it? The Lord has done so much for us with our very lives. Yes, and John says this, we should be saying thanks with our very lives. And how do you do that? How do you do that? You do it with how you live. When you love someone, you want to do things that please them. But see, the power that comes to us is something that it's in the here and now. It's like the cross is just as real today as it was way back then. I brought a uh, a visual today. We don't have screens, so I just took this off my wall. I've mentioned this to you before. My brother-in-law gave this to me a long time ago. And... Uh, it speaks to me. It hangs in my study. There are many things that hang in my study that remind me of something. You see all these white sheep around here? That's y'all. You're in his flock and he loves you and he is your shepherd. See this little black sheep right here? That's me. <laughs> I shouldn't even be in the flock, but he's so gracious and he made room for me. And I want to stay close to him, just like it shows in this picture. I saw a video this past week of a shepherd that was trying to get a sheep out of a, uh, a ditch. The sheep was just stuck, wedged in this ditch. And it was really hard for the shepherd to pull this. He had him by the hind leg. It just pulled and finally got him up out. And that sheep just takes off running and bounding and then just bounds right. It's going to jump over the ditch and lands right back, stuck in the ditch about five yards down the same way that he was before. And you can see the shepherd just like, Oh, man, you know, and I'm sure that Jesus does that with me a lot of times, you know, maybe he does it with you, too. But sometimes he frees us and we just mess up again, don't we? But he's our shepherd 
And what does he do? He's just going to pull you out again. You see, Psalm 23 is a now thing. It's the way we live in the here and now. We shared it this morning in our responsive reading. And you could just review it with me real quickly. You see, whenever the Lord brought me into the flock, in a very real way, he became my shepherd in the here and now. And that's the way he is your shepherd today as well. The Lord is my shepherd. All the things in Psalm 23 suddenly are yours when you appropriate what he did on the cross for you. He's your shepherd now. First of all, he knows you. The shepherd knows all his sheep, all you white ones and this little black one. He knows us all. He knows all about us. And if you're ever feeling totally misunderstood, there's one who really knows you and he understands you whether anybody else does or not. He knows you. He provides for you. He provides for some of us so well that we need to cut down on what he's providing for us, right? Uh, He restores you. Sometimes you can run down physically. Sometimes you can run down spiritually. Sometimes you can run down emotionally. Sometimes you can run down financially. Sometimes you can run down relationally and a lot of other different ways. But he can restore and he will restore your soul. He restores you. He restores your life. It's not that it all goes smoothly all the time, but then all of a sudden you hit a rough patch and then you look back and you say, I made it through. I was just talking to Sharon the other day about how there was a time whenever (laughs) both of my shoulders were so messed up and both my knees were so messed up, I thought I was going to have to have them all operated on. I was just going to be walking around like that or something. But all of a sudden, they're all working fine. No surgery. He restored me physically. He's restored me emotionally. He's restored me financially. He's restored me and he will, he has you too. You can look back on your life and you can see where he has restored you. He guides you. People are always complaining about being confused and not knowing which way to go. It's generally because they haven't asked the Lord which way they should go. He protects you. He comforts you. He is the Holy Spirit is such a comforter. He could just envelop you in his love and make you feel safe and secure whenever it doesn't even seem like it should be like that around you. There have been times when I've been so low in my life that all I could do was pour out my pain before God and soak my pillow in tears. 
And you know what? As I was honest before him and maybe even fussed at him because I didn't know what he was doing, all of a sudden I could just sense him right there with me. And I was comforted. He'll do that for you. He'll bring you his peace. He exalts you. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Don't you just love it when someone is out to get you and the Lord blesses you right in front of them? Maybe I shouldn't feel so good about that, but it just makes me, whenever that happens, I just do a double thank you, Lord, you know, because it's a witness. And it's like, They can't do anything. It's like the Lord's pointed at me and said, you can't touch that, you know. And uh, he prepares a table for me in front of my enemies. He does all this in the here and the now. Today, tomorrow. And if you look back, you'll see he has done it for you in the past. And so, yes, Thanks is a word, and it's a word that should be expressed through our lives. And John is telling us here that one of the main ways that we're to show gratitude is by loving those around us. When you love someone, one of the things that you're supposed to do is find out what pleases them. And then to the best of your ability, Provide it for them. It's better if you can even do it before they ask. But when they ask, that's a sure sign that they'd really like for you to do it. Don't you think? Jesus has made it clear that what he would love for us to do is love the people around us. Not just the people that that young lady's crying about on TV that live over in another country somewhere. The people around you, in your household, in your office, those are the people he's wanting you to love right now. Let me show you how it worked out for me yesterday at our house. Uh young grandson here, Isaiah and his mom were visiting us and uh, none of Isaiah's buddies were around in the neighborhood for him to play with. And so he asked me if I'd play with him and uh, he was wanting to play Jenga. And so uh, I told him that I could play one game with him, but then I had to get back and work on my sermon. And well, we set it all up. One piece got moved and the whole Jenga thing went over. And, uh, and, and, and Isaiah was just, ah. And so I had pity. I said, okay, let's play another game. So we played another one. It was longer. And then when we finished that game, I got up and I went back to work. I sat down at my computer And then I came across this poem shortly after I got back up there. It's it's called No Time to Play. It's by Diana Neal. 
My precious boy with the golden hair came up one day beside my chair and fell upon his bended knee and said, Oh, mommy, please play with me. I said, not now. Go on and play. I've got so much to do today. He smiled through tears and eyes so blue when I said, we'll play when I get through. But the chores lasted all through the day, and I never did find time to play. When supper was over and dishes done, I was much too tired for my little son. I tucked him in and kissed his cheek and watched my angel fall asleep. As I tossed and turned upon my bed, those words kept ringing in my head. Not now, son, go on and play. I've got so much to do today. I fell asleep, and in a minute's span, my little boy is a full-grown man. No toys are there to clutter the floor, no dirty fingerprints on the door, no snacks to fix, no tears to dry. The rooms just echo my lonely sigh. And now I've got the time to play, but my precious boy is gone away. I woke myself with a pitiful scream and realized it was just a dream. For across the room in his little bed lay my curly-haired boy, the sleepy head. My work will wait till another day. For now, I must find some time to play. Well, needless to say, at that moment in time, what I did, in light of what I was receiving from the Lord about living in the moment for Him, and the best way to do that was to show those around you love. I got up from my computer and I went downstairs and we played. We played. And you know what? I've discovered this over and over again. When you do what you know the Lord wants you to do, when he wants you to do it, there's always time. He's the one that makes that stuff, you know. And he'll make it all fit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>